welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Emma. And lastly, I'm Tash. The lovely, luscious Tash. Oh, thanks, guys. Buongiorno. You sounded so sensual. Listen, I'm a sensual person. If ever you're unemployed, you can totally, you know, work for those phone sex companies. I was just going to say, you should do sex calls because you could, own that. I, yeah, I actually would be really good at it. I've got great chat, so I would be really, really good at it. Why aren't you doing that? Oh, I'm just too lazy, Emma. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> not <laughs> everything. Why aren't I doing anything? I'm just too lazy and not consistent. Yeah, but that'd be great money and you'd be really would good at it. Would it though? Yeah, I think it would. Anything to do with sex usually pays quite a lot. Yeah. Okay, I'll look into it then. Um, my issue is that obviously my kids live with me. Ah, uh, yeah. Difficult. You know, like, whilst I'm, like, pretending to nosh somebody off, but actually I'm just sucking on my thumb. Oh, <laughs> nosh someone off? <laughs> Why did you have to say it like that? <laughs> nosh. <laughs> Rish, bish, bash, bosh, real good nosh. <laughs> I'm sure I watched a documentary or it's like a clip that comes up on, like, TikTok or something of um this woman and she is not at all the type of person you'd expect she does she's like a sex worker or like a phone one and she's like oh yeah I stand there doing my ironing and I'll uh pretend to like be sucking somebody off and she's like literally there like sucking her thumb it's so weird or like suck your own lip like yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got to edit that Emma listen listen to my <laughs> oh people love it so where i used to work we had a lady that would i may have spoke about this before but she was a sex worker we kind of turned a blind eye to it she wasn't doing any harm but she was definitely not the type of person you would think she is she literally was like a 45 year old mum of three would turn up in quite plain clothes like you might describe her as frumpy, lovely lady, and she'd book a room out for a week at a time, only be there during the days, and yeah. Have a lot of visitors. Not even like loads, she'd rock up at like 11 o'clock, she'd be gone by 3 o'clock to go and do the school run, maybe 3 or 4 men would come, literally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't mind that, then more power to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she. I asked her all about it once. I thought, I'm just going to pluck up the courage. We all knew what was going on. And she was fairly open about it. And it wasn't like it was just her. She was empowered by it. Yeah. yeah. And I really asked her so many questions about it. And she was like, it's really empowering, to be honest. I was like, yeah, good for you. And she actually ended up getting with one of her clients. Oh. Well. So it was almost like a romantic story. (laughs) That's love in 2023, man. Yeah. Oh, I've got a few hotel stories. Go on then. Well, my aunt used to work in a hotel. That's where I think she met my uncle. They met through the reception glass window and fell in love. When she used to work there, there was a guy that came in. I think he was a regular. He came in every week or every month, something like that. And every time he'd stay, they'd find a poo under the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. People are so disgusted. He either moved the bed, pooed on the floor, 
Or he pooed in his hand and rolled it under the bed. He would have moved the bed. They're not very heavy beds in hotels. Why though? Why do that? And there was another man that used to wipe his willy on the curtains. What, jizz up the curtains, you mean? Yeah. That I think that happens a lot, people wiping willies on curtains. People are just disgusting. Yeah. yeah. The things we would find when we'd like flip the mattresses was wild. I loved it. It's funny. Anyway, should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Song shout outs for Tasha's song. Shout out, babe. Tash, what was your song? Let it go. Let it go. No, it wasn't. No, no, no. It was that. No, it wasn't. How did anyone guess that? Were you stuck on it, Bex? So stuck. While you were eating your crude oil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. I did en- I did enjoy very much the bloopers at the end. It made me belly laugh. I was like, no shit. God <laughs> Oh dear. Very, very funny. Right. So I got Cara Beth, Ruth, Nicole, Stacy, and JT. They all got Let It Go. Did you girls get anyone? Uh, yeah, I got Sebastian. Well done, Sebastian. I think that was it this week. Becky? I didn't get any answers by email. Okay. I just wanted to shout out to Cara Beth because she sent us a lovely message saying that she loved the podcast. She says we've got great chemistry. And that we have a fan in northeastern Nevada. Whoop! Yay! Thanks for listening. So thanks for that, Carabeth. That made me happy. It made me happy. So happy that I want to roll a poop under my bed. <laughs> That's very happy. God, you know it's a good time when there's poo under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Becky, I looked it up and you were right. Dolphins are fucking dicks, man. They are dicks. Oh, I forgot to look it up. Why are they dicks? So many different ways that they are dicks. One of the ways is they can, like a group of male dolphins can kind of kidnap a female dolphin and use it as a sex slave. And if it has a child, they'll kill the child. Oh my God. So that's one of the ways that they're dicks. That's horrible. Yeah. They can they also do that That's to other shocking. other fish, other animals. Just like play around with baby baby fish just to kill them and like fuck around. They're a bit like cats in that sense, and I really like cats, but I don't like this side to them where they will just play with something until it dies just because they can. Which is really horrible. But they get high as well, don't they? They like throw puffer fish around because when puffer fish release that toxin, it gets them stoned. So they're all just like torturing this poor puffer fish, getting off their tits. Yeah, pass me the blow. I mean, puff. Pass me the puff. And they rape each other in their blowholes, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oral. What? Sex for the blowhole. Blowhole sex. Whole new meaning to a blowjob. Do you know, like, everybody's nan had those, like, dolphin figurines on her mantelpiece or something, and they're, they're made out to be these, like, beautiful, magical creatures. I just feel cheated now. Like, my whole entire life was a lie. I reckon everyone's nan knew that they were monsters, and they were just like, I'm going to pretend that this thing's really nice and put it here where all my grandchildren can see when I know that they're fuckers. <laughs> 
And we all grew up thinking, oh, dolphins are so... They're like unicorns, apart from they're real. I wasn't the girl that loved dolphins. There was always that one girl in class that loved dolphins too much. And I was like, yeah. And you'd be like... Or the teacher would be like, draw an animal that you like. And she'd be like, I'll, be, I'll draw a dolphin. All the time. There's nothing worse than a dolphin tattoo either, Ooh. is there? Well, don't, because now you're going to like offend a shit ton of people who've got dolphin tattoos. But also, did you do your research before getting that tattoo to know that they're serial rapists and baby murderers? Because That's what I'm saying. That's why they're now awful. Dolphins are dicks. Yeah. Who knew? I thought they were friendly. I thought it was like flipper. No, and apparently they can, like, if you're swimming in a pool, they can come up to you and, like, rub up against your leg to gratify themselves. Oh, my God. They're horny fuckers, basically. Yeah, horny little fuckers. Sorry, are they us? Are we the dolphins of the human world? Well, they do say that dolphins are the second most intelligent creature, don't they? Yeah, so that's probably why they're monsters, because they're slightly like humans. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, we don't like killing other people's babies, though. We don't like doing that. And I don't rape people's (laughs) blowholes. No. Bex, get your blowhole out. (laughs) You don't have to ask me twice. (laughs) (laughs) Dash, pop a squat, get a poo under that bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. Um, did you see on TikTok? <laughs> I, I just can't believe that we've gone from the, the conversation that we've just had, where all the magical places that we've just been, and then we're not, okay, <laughs> we've not been anywhere oh. magical since we started. <laughs> we literally said hello, sex work. That's how it went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you Go seen on. on TikTok that apparently Madeleine McCann is alive? There's a girl. Yeah, in, I have seen this. Is she in Poland? Yeah. That's uh, claiming to be Madeleine McCann. Have you seen that, Becky? Yeah, but she's only got the eye, the pupil deformity. This happens like every couple of years, though. Yeah. So I just think she's like that. So you don't think it's her? Well, I'd be really happy to know that it is her, but I don't think it is. Yeah, lovely if it is her, but I think these, like, it happens all the time. Someone steps forwards and says they're her. Yeah, I think it's because they're a little bit bored with their little life, and they're just like, hey, I'm Madeline McCann now. Well, they're getting a DNA test, apparently. I mean, yeah, great, go and get a DNA test. Um, Obviously, I would be... Absolutely. You know, good if it is her, but I don't know, I think... God, can you imagine if it is her? Can you... Because that story is... Well, if it is her, you need to cut all this out and we can just pretend that we knew it all along. We'll just re-record this bit and be like, oh, no, no, we knew. We knew it was her. I generally don't know. I have been seeing a lot of people have different theories because she's got quite an iffy past, apparently, that says that even if she's not Madeleine McCann, they think that she is going to turn out to be a lost child because everything is quite suspicious. Like, who is she type thing? Yeah. Yeah. Because she, like, has no childhood memories or anything. But, yeah, I just thought, wow, what if? What if she is? Because, I mean, as much as I would love her to be, I never thought we'd see Madeleine McCann ever again. No. And never know what, you know, what happened. Yeah, like 20 years later, it'd be nice to know what happened. But it does happen, doesn't it? 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. But the Madeleine McCann case is something that I don't think I'll ever do because it's just so, it makes me so uncomfortable. I mean, obviously the whole, the whole murder thing obviously makes me uncomfortable. The fact that we don't know what's happened. Yeah. I think though, because it's, it was so of our time, wasn't it? Like we've grown with that case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be very interested to see the DNA results and... You've obviously seen that, sadly, they found the body of that lady that went missing, was it? Oh, my God, horrendous. Nicola Bully. Nicola Bully, yeah. Yeah. How sad. Again, I don't think we'll ever, unless they found something on her body, like in terms of a letter or something, we'll never know what that situation was, will we? I don't know. When did it happen? At the end of January, beginning of February? She disappeared at the end of January. Yeah, she'd been gone three weeks. The thing is, it could be, I hope it's not, but it could be foul play or it could be that she slipped into the river because she was trying to reach for something or get the dog out. But the dog was dry. The dog was dry. Dog was dry. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what she was doing, but somehow fell in there. When you fall in water that cold, you gasp. Mm. And then when you gasp, you can drown. You can drown really, really fast uh, because you can gasp and then you can't breathe. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly, but I think she, I think she committed suicide. To be honest, do you really? Yeah. What by drowning? Yeah, people do, don't they? Of course, they I do. I couldn't force myself to drown. No. If you can, unless she, unless she didn't swim. But they would have found somewhere that you, they would see where she slipped in. You would see. Uh, I mean, we don't know her life, but she's a mother of two. She's got two little girls. I mean, I don't know. But it's very sad anyway, and my thoughts are with her family. I don't think we'll know, unless there's obvious signs on her body in terms of a murder or... They'll find a cause of death in in the autopsy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Unless they've already found one and I've missed one. No, I don't know. I haven't looked any of it up today because, um, well, I just haven't had a chance. But I don't think we'll know yet anyway, will we? No. Very sad. Very sad. Anyway... Moving on, yeah, we'll get to more sad stuff, no doubt, because it's Becky to go first. Do you want to do Tinder with Tash? Let's do Tinder with Tash. Let's put that sweet, sweet jingle on. Now, now, boys and girls, everyone in between, story time. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. (sighs) So, uh, I have got a date lined up. Excellent. For a couple of weeks' time. You sound so happy. Yeah, she's like, oh, well, I've got a date. For the podcast, I have a date and I can't be asked. I'll be honest, girls. My biggest thing at the moment and the thing that actually annoys me about being a heterosexual woman is how men cannot kiss. It's true. How are men... Getting to the ripe age of like, let's let's do an average here of like 34. How are they getting to this ripe age and they cannot kiss? I mean, women out there, please do your girl a solid and tell your man if he cannot kiss because I might end up kissing him at some point if you leave him and I'm <laughs> fucking sick of it. 
Because not only that, I come back questioning whether I know how to kiss. So if your husbands <laughs> cannot kiss, fucking tell them. It's awkward though, isn't it? What, to tell someone they can't kiss? Yeah. Oh, but if you're like, I'm not telling these men that I'm kissing that they can't kiss. But if you're in a relationship with a man, surely that is the time to have a conversation. And be like, babe, we've got to sort this out. I don't know. It's awkward. Maybe. Why can't they kiss? I don't know. I don't know. I've been, I've been in the situation and it's horrible. Yeah. It's I had awful. a guy that was a real sloppy kisser. Oh, I kind of pulled away and like over dramatically wiped my face. Oh. And then kissed him again. He kind of, that helped. He didn't do it then. He wasn't as sloppy. So whoever married that guy, you're welcome. Yeah. I helped. Yeah. And it's like the tongue. Like, what the fuck do they think they're doing with it? They're brushing your teeth. Like, pointy as oh, well we've, oh we've Why done the pointy you... tongue thing <laughs> i just honestly and because you don't know you don't you cannot judge this by looking at men how they're gonna kiss and it is an important part of it it is it's a huge turn off and it just yeah. really annoys me as well i wonder if it's nerves do you think it's nerves because i've nervous kissed someone before know. and it's been a little bit of a disaster and i was like oh well is that me no, because I think if you were nervous, then you wouldn't go in for, like, a full-on snog. I think if you're nervous, then it would just be, like, pecs. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's, if anything, actually, Becky, I think it's too much confidence. They're going in for the kill, and you're, like, fucking holds on, bro. <laughs> like, I don't, like, chill out. They're trying to lick your trachea. <laughs> Taste what you had for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into it. So this date better be a good kisser, then. Yeah, if he gets that far. Not that you've got that much experience, really, because you've only kissed, what is it, three? Three people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally how. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what do we know about this guy? Uh, he's currently re-educating himself, which, see, works alongside it. But he's also re-educating himself, which I think is excellent. He doesn't have any children, never been married. He is from London, but lives like about half an hour away from me. He wears glasses. And, um, yeah, I don't really know that much more about him. Oh, God, should I know more? Well, I don't know, that's what dates Not are really. for, isn't it? Yeah, as long as you meet in like in a safe place. So the only thing that is annoying me... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, he doesn't have a driving license. If he lives in London, though, or used to live in London, I'm not surprised. This is the way that I'm trying to justify it for him. You don't need one. I did tell him it was pathetic, though. <laughs> oh, Tash! <laughs> Going in strong. She's a harsh mistress. I just said, oh, I think it's a bit pathetic when people don't drive. And he's like, oh, no, I can drive. I just never have because I... Because he lived central, like in London. Who says that, though? I can drive, but I never have. <laughs> oh, I'm a brain surgeon, but I've never, I've never studied to become one. <laughs> I can fly a plane. I've never, never tried, but I'm pretty sure I could <laughs> suss it out. No, I think what he means is that he, he did take his driving lessons and test, but has never then had a car. Oh, so he's got a driving license? 
Well, I, that's what I assumed from his comment. But I don't live in central London and I don't live on the tube line. And my issue is, is that I'm not, I'm not going to be your fucking taxi driver. Yeah. Well, t- I think you're thinking too far ahead. Let's see if he's a good kisser first, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Or if you even want to kiss him. You know, he might yeah. have frog breath and you're like, no thanks. Oh, frog God, can you imagine? <laughs> um, no, you're right. But it does annoy me. It does annoy me when... Well, don't get annoyed because I see it as being very sensible. He doesn't need a car. It would be a waste of money. He would have to pay a lot on like road tax no, and you're insurance right. you're right, you're and right, stuff. And right. he doesn't need one. So it's not pathetic. It's sensible. Mm. <laughs> Sound more convinced? No, it's just one of my things, isn't it? Like, yes, he's a 10, but he can't drive. Yeah, he's a 10, but he can't drive. Speaking of which, we're going to switch things up this week, aren't we? Yeah. Instead of shitting all over everybody else, which is what we usually do, we're going to shit on ourselves. Yeah. Are you ready for this, Becky? Hold on. Let me, let me try and find the, the ones that I was thinking of, because, you know, it's hard to find. What are you saying? Oh, it's, it's hard to find fault. It's hard perfection. to find fault in perfection. <laughs> <laughs> See, great minds. I'm so perfect. <sighs> Go on then, Tash. Start us off. I'm a 10. But I have a shopping addiction. Oh. Like not food shopping, I'm guessing. No. Like clothes, shoes, makeup. But arguably, a lot of that is about buying it and then I send it back. Okay. But the addiction is still there. So I get the kick from buying it. You get the kick and then you have regrets and you send it back. Okay. Becky? I'm a 10, but I burp louder than my husband does. (laughs) <laughs> and and i possibly fart more <laughs> that's a good one emma okay i'm a 10 but i sleep with a rag that used to be a baby blanket that's 39 years old <gasps> same age as me and very rarely gets washed i was just about to say does it really smell i mean i like it. it's my comfort blanket <laughs> but it's probably a proper minging <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I, I drool at night and because I've got my head on my blanket, it's like the little drool collector. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 10, but I have a drool rag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sexy. <laughs> oh, Tash? Oh, it's me again. I'm a 10, but I like to pick the psoriasis on my back. That's what about. I was expecting and then eat it. Do you eat the skin? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I don't eat it. You don't eat it. I also pick it from my belly button as well. <gasps> belly button psoriasis. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's too bad. That's just like picking scabs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Becky? I don't know what to say about this one, but we'll see. I'm mm. a 10, but I have on more than one occasion stolen the batteries out of my children's toys <laughs> to use in my vibrator. So, yeah. You should get a plug-in one. <laughs> yeah, I do now. But, yeah, that was uh, before when batteries were the, the only way. Yeah. So... My playthings go come first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. 
I haven't thought of these in advance. Um, I'm a 10, but I have 10 cats and probably will get more. (laughs) So you're a married cat lady. I am a married cat lady. Yeah. What was the most you ever had? 20. (sighs) And we'd run out of names at that point and the cat was called 20. The last cat we had was called 20. That's a good idea. But, I mean, they're all outside and lived in a farm. Anyway, I don't have to justify myself. I have a thing for cats. I like cats. Cats are good. I love cats. I'm a cat cat lady. lady. Anyway, but that's what you get. That's what you get. We have 10. If I found one on the side of the road, I'd have 11. I'm not making any promises (laughs) that there isn't going to be any more. Yeah. I might just go and kidnap them from other people's houses. Ha-ha. Oh, fuck. I'm I'm not mental. (laughs) Don't steal them. I just pick them out of bins and stuff, you know. Yeah. Right, Becky. Yeah. <laughs> it's you to start, my love. Is it? Right. Yeah. Tash, just thinking about it. Do you live near Kent? Like just over the other bridge. Yeah, not far. It's the next county down. Oh, okay. Why? Well, it's just because that's what my where my story is today. Oh, nice. I live in Essex and Essex is really big. So I live at the top of Essex and then I have to go over the bridge to get to Kent. I mean, literally none of that means anything to me because I don't like know where anything is. But yeah. Don't know where the bridge is. No. So there's no need for more explanation. Essex is essentially north of London and Kent is south. I'm getting more explanation. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, you are, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Now get your blowhole out. (laughs) Geography of Tash. (laughs) Jesus, right. 33 minutes in. Oh, dear. Right. My story was a listener recommendation. (laughs) Oh, very posh. Is it going to be easy to follow? Because, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now shush. <laughs> no. <laughs> now stop it. Stop stop it. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. No, last week, I don't know what happened. I think, I don't know. No, no, I was the issue last week. And I kept interrupting you. You definitely weren't. It was definitely my story. Don't worry. <laughs> no, this is a little bit easy. More than usual, I couldn't speak. So that didn't help. Luckily, we have a good editor. Well, barely. I mean, I must admit, I did give up on that. I was just like, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think you did a really good job. Yeah. Oh, thanks, babes. Right. Okay. So this was a, a listener recommendation by John. So thank you, John, for this. My story takes place on the 2nd of August, 1993, in a little town called Saverna in America. Four-year-old Derek Roby woke up on that day. He had his breakfast, got ready for a day at summer camp. Once it was time to go, he gave his mother, who was Doreen Roby, a kiss and said, I love you, mum. She gave him his pat lunch and little Derek set off. What, on his... Yeah, on his own. He was nearly five. I thought this at first and thought, oh my God. But he was nearly five and the part was just at the end of the road. No, he didn't need to cross the road or anything. It was not mm. not even a block away, but still. Um, this was before Stranger Danger was really a thing. 
but was it? Because it was 1983. I mean, the 80s happened. I mean... Yeah, but times were different. Yeah. When I was a kid, we'd be out. I don't know from what age, but like... I was young. Yeah, but with your mates. Yeah, but surely he would have been meeting somebody at the park. Yeah, it was meeting all of his friends. But I mean, my Jamie Bulger, wasn't that 1992 that that happened? Oh, God, that was awful. That was horrific. So my mum wouldn't let me go anywhere. I wasn't allowed to do anything by myself until I was like old enough to be more responsible. So like 23. (laughs) (laughs) And even then, to be fair... (laughs) touch and go but no she no i think i wasn't really allowed to go anywhere by myself because i was like super gullible super head in the clouds as well so i think a lot of it was my fault but anyway this is the first time that she let him go by himself uh to this summer camp he'd be going all summer this second of august in america doesn't the summer holidays start in june I think they're slightly different aren't they the holidays yeah slightly earlier because i think they go back to school in august Anyway, he set off, gave his mum a kiss, said he loves her, and set off down to the park where the summer camp was. So the summer camp was just a very, very short walk away, just one block away. So when they say that on American films, I'm like, what is a block? Yeah, I don't really understand. Is that like a road? I don't really understand the concept of a block. Isn't it like a square of houses? When you go down a road and you get to another road. Yeah, like another row of houses. Yeah. Yeah. That's a block. Is it a square? Yeah. It would make sense because blocks are square. Are their roads laid out differently to what, like, English and... Well, they're a lot newer, so they make more yeah. sense. It's easier to get around because everything's straight. Anyway, he just uh, he, he took the short walk down to the summer camp. What should have been a quick, safe walk for the young boy turned into a horrific story that would shock America and the world. Jesus, I don't know if I want to know. I know. But I'm going to tell you, and you have to stay. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm stuck in. I've got my headphones on and everything. <laughs> and I'm not taking them off because that would be a waste for just 40 minutes. Yeah, you bet you blow a hole, they would. <laughs> you bet you blow a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Right, so later that day, so a few hours after Derek had left. Little Derek, bless him. Oh, no, bless him. A thunderstorm blew in. And Derek's mum, Doreen, suddenly got a really bad feeling and decided to rush to the park to go and pick her son up. It was when she got there that she learned that he'd never arrived at the summer camp that morning. Just your stomach drops. Yeah, that feeling. So she immediately called the police. The police arrived to a frantic Doreen at the park. She had already started looking for her little boy, along with the people left at the camp. Police took the description of Derek and his mother described the clothes he was wearing when he left. They called in a police search team. It only took officers a matter of hours to locate Derek. His body was lying in the woods just metres from the park where he was supposed to go. Hundreds of metres from his own front door, so he wasn't even that far from his house. Upon finding the body, they were shocked by the brutality of the murder the poor boy looked like he'd been tortured the body had been posed and his trainers had been taken off and posed next to his hands just placed one trainer at either side of his hands with the news of the poor boy's death doreen crumbled to the floor screaming her poor little boy was never coming home she would never see him grow up 
He wouldn't go to college. He wouldn't get married. And he wouldn't have his own kids. Her little boy was gone. Every parent's nightmare. Absolute worst nightmare. Just doesn't bear thinking about, does it? No. No. Oh, Derek as well. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Evan, my little boy. He was blonde hair, little four-year-old. You know, you see him running around, don't you? So Doreen would later say that the bad gut-wrenching feeling that she had as the thunderstorm was rolling in, she thinks that that was Derek saying that he'd gone, that he had left the world at that point when she had that feeling. Oh, right. Yeah, I see. That she kind of felt him go. You felt him go, yeah, because, uh, you know, of the mother's love for their son. She knew that something had happened, like an instinct. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Residents of the small town were horrified and quickly began speculating about who could have possibly done such a terrible thing. The little boy had been beloved by the whole town. He'd even earned the nickname of unofficial mayor of Savannah because he was frequently seen sitting on his bicycle and waving at passers-by. Bless him. Little love. Was it a opportunistic outsider or someone closer to home? In the days following the death of Derek, the family of 13-year-old Eric Smith became concerned about his behaviour. Eric had grown up just across town from Derek. He spent a lot of time with his grandparents, though he did live with his mum Tammy and his stepdad Ted. With his bright orange ginger hair, low-set ears and heavily freckled face, he was bullied quite brutally by the other kids in the neighbourhood. I mean, kids are mean. And ginger kids tend to be an easy target because they can just target their hair. I mean, kids are dicks. (laughs) They are, aren't they, though? (laughs) Kids can be awfully cruel, yeah, they are. They can be awful. Yeah. So when he was 12, 13 years old, Eric was known to just ride around the neighbourhood on his bike for hours and hours all alone, like going forwards and back, forwards and back, like no, never with any friends. He was also held back at school and had speech problems. Eric's weird behaviour started when he approached a neighbour and family friend named Marlene Heskell about Derek's murder. And he did this on the evening of his murder because they found his body and it was reported on the news straight away. And the same night, he started asking this family friend all these questions. So Marlene said, and this is a quote, Eric asked me what would happen if it turned out that the murderer was a kid, which she thought was weird. Really weird weird. question. A little bit weird. And also, he questioned her about DNA evidence. Heskell assumed that Eric had perhaps witnessed the murder and had been threatened to keep quiet. Heskell went and saw Eric's mother with her concerns. And they ended up taking Eric to the police station to speak with investigators. Though he denied any involvement with Derek's disappearance, he was like super happy to be there, super happy to talk about the murder, to help, and just kind of talk to someone in general, have someone talk to him about something, and be interested in what he had to say. That's sad. Which is sad. So Eric said that he'd seen Derek out on his bike that day. Investigators asked Eric to describe what Derek was wearing and he managed to describe him very, very well, even down to the type of lunchbox that he was carrying. The next day, investigators asked Eric if he could get his bike and show him exactly where he was when he saw Derek walking down the road. 
and he said he was riding his bike at the time and what he was saying didn't make sense to the investigators because the distance Eric said that he was when he saw Derek was just way too far away to see him in the detail that he did. Eric had told investigators that Derek had his name on his lunchbox and there's no way that he'd be able to see that from the distance that he says that he saw him. So that didn't make sense. So after being questioned later on back at the police station, Eric eventually broke down and confessed, I'm sorry, mum, I'm sorry, I killed that little boy. So he admitted it. Well, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. So now it was up to the police to determine why Eric Smith had committed such a horrific crime. They wanted the full story. So Eric told investigators how he lured Derek into the woods, telling him that he knew a shortcut to the park, and then he attacked. Yeah, I'm just about to describe the murder of a four-year-old boy. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I'm still going to describe what happens. Just in case you don't want to hear me, you can probably skip forward about a minute. So Eric grabbed hold of young Derek and strangled him. He then found some nearby heavy rocks and he dropped those on him. He poured Kool-Aid from Derek's lunchbox that his poor mum Doreen had carefully packed for her son. He grabbed the Kool-Aid out of there and poured it onto his wounds. Once Derek was dead, Smith sodomized him with a stick he found lying on the ground nearby. For fuck's sake. And then he fled the scene, leaving Derek's body in the wooded area just yards from the park. That is one fucked up little kid. Yeah. He said he didn't know why he did it. He just saw this blonde kid walking down the street and he wanted to hurt him. Jesus. Investigators said that after the initial upset in front of his mum, where he admitted to his mum that he killed that little boy, once she was kind of out the room and he got to speak about it to the investigators... They could tell that he was really enjoying himself. Oh my God, that makes my skin crawl. Mini psycho. However, he did say that his anger wasn't directed at Derek at all. Smith would say, and this is a quote, it was directed at all of the other guys that used to pick on me. Well then go and pick a fight with them then, you fucker, instead of picking on a fucking four-year-old. Exactly. And when I was torturing and killing Derek, that was all I saw in my head was the people that bullied him. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. Eric Smith was tried as an adult in 1993. The media dubbed him the freckle-faced killer, and his case was widely followed by shocked viewers across the nation. Because of the sexual nature of the crime, it was speculated that Eric might have been a victim of sexual abuse. His sister Stacy said that her stepdad had sexually abused her and she wouldn't be surprised if he'd done the same to Eric. But Eric repeatedly denied this. He wouldn't, he'd never admit that he was abused. So I don't know if he was or not. Eric was ultimately convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to nine years to life in prison. He was held in a juvenile detention centre until he turned 21, at which point he was transferred to an adult prison. However, Eric is not the only one serving a life sentence. Mr and Mrs Roby were also doing so. They had lost their son and he wasn't coming back. But also, that means that 
every parole hearing, they'd have to go and relive the trial, the nightmare, over and over again. Just awful. That's something that we that I don't necessarily think about is is that when they go in to prison for life with the possibility of parole, that means that every is it every five years or something that they have to go and live this over and over again to keep the monster that killed their child in jail. At a parole hearing in 2004, Eric Smith admitted that strangling Derek Roby made him feel good because instead of me being hurt, I was hurting someone else. Oh my God, he's a little psychopath. That's what he said. How old was he? Sorry, I must have missed this. In 1993, he was 13. So this is in 2004, so 24. So really tough 13-year-old picking on a four-year-old, yeah? But yeah. then he's so like, Tosser. still so smug and like reveling in it, isn't he? Like even, he's just evil. Yeah, he's. He also confessed that he probably would have killed again had he not been caught. Smith was denied parole numerous times over the decades, but after serving twenty-eight years in prison, he was eventually released in February twenty twenty-two. Really. So he's out now. That doesn't feel like a good idea. No, at his final parole hearing, he told the board that he was engaged to be married. Who the fuck are these twats? These women. I don't know if it's a woman or a man, but no, no, it's a woman. It's a woman. But fuck me. Like, oh, I can't even. Throw them to the dolphins. (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. His fiancée had reached out to him to ask him a few questions while studying to be a lawyer, and they'd fallen in love. You think someone that's educated enough to become a lawyer wouldn't be such a twat, but they they are. (laughs) He said that he wanted to get married and raise a family. So he gets to raise a family, and the Robies don't get their son. People like that, he should have had his testicles removed in prison. Yeah. People, I'm sorry, but people don't like that. They just don't. I know that prison is about reform, but he basically said, oh, I killed this four-year-old because I was bullied. And I liked it. And I liked it. And now I, I've had enough of being in prison. Now I want to get out and raise a family because I deserve it. Uh, upon his release, Eric Smith moved to Queens, New York, where he is trying to live out that dream despite his violent past. And that's all I've got on him at the minute. Have they so. changed his identity and stuff like they did with the... Um... He looks exactly the same as what he did as a child. He, when he's a child, he has that stupid haircut that they all had, like the bully kind of haircut. He super freckled face with Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. I'll send you a picture. You would have seen it before. But now he just looks like that with a shaved head with no glasses. He's almost not changed. I'm absolutely speechless, Bex. I don't really know what to say. Yeah, same. Piece of shit. Yeah, I know that I, d- I don't really like doing kid murders, but, um, oh, as it was suggested, that is, it is, um, it's worth being told. I'm kind of finding that all the murderers are getting released at the minute, all the really bad ones. Great. That's a happy thought. So that's really cool. You know, after murder, after COVID, we're now getting invaded by murderers again. Great. Uh, it's it's quite weird, actually, because I was having this conversation with someone today 
And I said, oh, Becky doesn't really cover kid cases because, you know, we don't we don't really like it. And she never really goes into much detail. And then you drop that one. I literally said that today. It was a listener suggestion. If not, I'm, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah, true, true. But still, I'll shut up because I obviously know nothing. I, I don't even know who you are. Well, I don't have a witty response. (laughs) (laughs) Go poo under a bed. If we lived in America and we went to high school and you get those high school, like, yearbooks and it's like a picture of you and, like, a little phrase or a little quirky thing that you said, that's what mine would be. Well, go go poo under a bed. Don't don't roll your poo under a bed. Tash would be (laughs) learn how to kiss and yours would be get your blowhole out. (laughs) That's what he looks like now. That's what he used, he looked like at the time. Do you see what I mean? He looks exactly the same. Oh, yeah, he does. (laughs) He really does. It's so weird. (laughs) And that's little, poor little Derek. Look, he does also like Evan when he was little. Oh, he does. Oh, my God, that sweet angel. Oh, his little braces. Can't even imagine it. Can't no. even imagine it. Horrendous. I mean, I do feel sorry for the poor lad that's getting bullied and that. I'm sure that wasn't fun. Well, I don't know. Most of us have been bullied, but we don't go and murder and basically rape a child with a stick. No, we don't, because we're not psychotic. No. So I, um, I didn't really look at what Mr. and Mrs. Roby are doing at the minute, but if, if they've chosen to be out of the media, I didn't really want to dig them up too much, so... Yeah, I think they've been through Just enough. Let them get on. Yeah, I think exactly. Yeah. Wow. Bless them. Christ. Yeah. Anyway, I'm ready for your story. Yes. Never been readier. Let's have a trailer. Let's treat ourselves to a trailer just to gather ourselves after that. Reverie. The state of being pleasantly lost in one's thoughts. A daydream. But what if those daydreams turn to nightmares? Reverie True Crime shines a light on the dark tragedies that have happened and are continuing to happen all throughout the world. We interview and work with families to bring awareness to forms of injustice. We explore the depths of cases from around the world to include missing persons, mysteries, and more. Reverie True Crime is found wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, you don't have to live in fear, but stay aware of your surroundings. Stay safe and take care. Just FYI, the trailers that we put in our podcast, we do it completely for free. It's just to promote other indie podcasters because they've been so kind to us. So it's kind of like repaying the favor. So yeah, and they all have awesome podcasts and you should go and check them out. There you go. Yes. Right, my story. So, as I was saying earlier, it's in Kent, in the UK. Just near London. Near London. We could send Tash, really. Uh, Tash, well, just go. It does depend go where now. in Kent it is. It's quite far, but go on. I think you should go now and call us when you get there, and then we'll start again. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard of a little village called Pluckley? Oh, my God, yeah. No, I'm joking, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so i am going to be talking about a village called pluckley it's 60 miles it's an hour and a half away from me get in your car (laughs) (laughs) 
we'll just talk about blowholes until you get there. <laughs> okay, Pluckley is apparently the UK's most haunted village. Oh. Ooh. Just a short drive from London, you will find the beautiful village of Pluckley in the countryside of Kent. For any of you that have ever watched The Darling Buds of May, have you watched it? Yeah. I still love that show. Yeah. Well, it was filmed in Pluckley. Oh, Pluckley, Luckley. Who knew? <sighs> Not me. But also, it just so happens to be the UK's most haunted village, according to the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, well, if the Guinness Book of Records says it. It's got to be true, right? Oh, but it's still yeah. really expensive to buy a house there. Because <laughs> it has such a plethora of ghosts crammed into such a small space. That's such a weird sentence. Why did I write that? <laughs> plethora is a cool word. No, Emma loves that word. Loves but it, it makes me feel fancy. Yeah. Plethora. So the village was home to the large aristocratic family, the Derrings, from the 15th century to the First World War. The Derrings. The Derrings. Oh, I'm Duke Derring. I kind of like that. That's a cool last name. Lord Derring escaped capture from Cromwell's forces during the Civil War by jumping out of a round-topped window. Of a what? A round topped window oh so instead of it being a full square it has a round top in my head i mean i didn't google what it was but in my head that's what it is it's a window with a round top okay so it's self-explanatory like an arch yeah like an arch a really pretty window then like yeah decorative yeah yeah Yeah. i can imagine it'd look nice yeah Yeah. he chose well Did you just do like a really long snort? <laughs> a very long snort. It was like a snort, then a sigh, but also continuing the snort. So good luck hearing that in your ears. Right, so he's jumped out of this fancy window because he loves the dramatic effect that that gives. And he's like, oh no, there was a square window right next to it, but I jumped out of the arch one because I'm a gentleman. Well, he's posh. He's very posh. Oh, Yes. Well, the Derings are known to be. Aristocratic, don't you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> Later, when he was rebuilding his manor, he made sure every window was built with a round top to commemorate... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Is that really in your story? <laughs> yeah, I thought you just added that from the comedic effect. Why is that funny? <laughs> It just fucking is. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. What this girl's? I don't know what's wrong with me. Though I just don't understand. What's the man has again. jumped out a fancy window. That's how far we've got. And now he was so proud of that that he's redecorated his house with fancy windows. Yeah, basically. Did he die when he jumped out the window? <laughs> no, he came back from the dead to fix all the windows. That's what the ghost story is about. No, he didn't die. I don't think. Didn't he? Didn't die? Did he? He didn't die. He's rebuilding his house. And to commemorate okay. his great escape, he made sure that every single window had round-topped windows. Yeah, okay. I understand. And so, in turn, many of the houses in Pluckley also started having round-topped windows in their homes. Because it was like trendy. Fashion. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they do look nice, let's be fair. They do. It's a pretty window. And so, even though the manor burnt down in 1951, if you visit the village, you can still see the round-top windows in many of the properties as a reminder of Lord Daring. 
So there you go, Tash. If you go to Pluckley and you see a round window, now you know why. I will remember that. I think you should take one of your Tinder dates there and be like, you know why they have round top windows? (laughs) Local knowledge. The family, so the Derrings, have their own chapel at the top of the first aisle in St Nicholas's Church graveyard where numerous family members were put to rest. Multiple people have seen a dancing light through one of its windows and people have heard knocking below their feet from the family vault whilst in oh, the chapel. Oh, that's creepy. Which is horrifying. No. I don't like that. No thanks. No thanks. In the early 70s, a group of paranormal investigators convinced the then rector to let them stay in the church overnight with the hope of capturing paranormal activity. They arrived armed with cameras and tape recorders, but in the morning when the vicar came to let them out, they were really disappointed as they hadn't seen anything. Aww. I know. They did say, though, that the vicar's dog had kept them company through the night and had made it a little bit less boring. To which the vicar replied, I don't have a dog. Oh, ghost mutt. Yep. The group had literally spent the entire night with the ghost of a dog without even realising it. Didn't they stroke it? Well, yeah. That's wild. Maybe it was a wild dog. (laughs) They were locked in a church. Oh, I don't know. So, yeah, unless it was already hiding in there when they were locked in, it wasn't getting in. So the next stop is a house called Greystones. This is said to be haunted by a monk from the Tudor era. He apparently was desperately in love with a girl from one of the neighbouring properties, called Rose Court. The house was built by a member of the Daring family for his mistress. She, however, fell in love with the monk and not being able to bear the love triangle she then found herself in, She took her own life by drinking a cocktail made from ivy and fatal berries. Gosh. Dramatic. Uh, Well, yeah, they're very dramatic. It said that when she was found dead, she was staring towards the direction of Greystones where the monk lived. The monk never recovered from her death. He would constantly walk through the fields and lanes where the two had spent many a secret romantic hour or two together. Oi, oi. (laughs) Yeah, blow holes at the ready. (laughs) But without her, he sank further and further into depression and finally died of a broken heart. Oh, that is sad. His ghost is seen wandering through these same fields and lanes around Greystones, forever searching for his beloved. Heartbreakingly, her ghost remains at Rose Court. The inhabitants will hear ghostly sighs and moans and objects around the house are moved around at night. So that's awful because he's outside wandering about looking for her and she's inside wandering about looking Looking for him. him. Oh, if only they could walk through walls. Uh, I mean, yeah. (sighs) I have got a theory about all this and I say it at the end, so we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. Station Road is haunted by a couple and their dog. Many people have reported hearing the couple chatting together as the dog barks happily along with them. People hear them getting closer and closer, fully expecting to see a couple arrive. But as the sound of the voices is almost upon them, it begins to fade without anyone ever seeing where the voices were coming from. That's weird. Pinnock Bridge is also home to a spectral entity known as the Watercrest Lady. 
She was a gypsy who made a living by collecting and selling watercress from the banks of the Babbling Brook below the bridge early this century. Every night she would sit on the walls of the bridge and smoke her pipe and drink gin from a flask. One night she fell asleep and dropped her pipe onto her ragged clothes that instantly caught fire. Oh, bless her heart. No one heard her screams. All they found the next day was a pile of ash, the clay pipe and the flask. Now, this story I found hard to believe because burnt corpses don't just turn to ash from a normal fire. Like, you don't just find a pile of ashes. No. But then I remembered our spontaneous combustion episode and it's saying that people who drank a lot of alcohol were more likely to have it happen. And by all accounts, this poor gypsy lady drank substantial amounts of gin. And so she could have possibly burnt so hot that she did indeed end up as a pile of ash. Mm. Yeah, potentially. Her ghost has been seen many times since. In the years after her death, She was seen as a screaming figure surrounded by fire. These days, she's just seen as a faint pink glow that hovers in the air in the spot where she burned to death. That's so sad. Super sad. Bless her. So this brings us to the aptly named Fright Corner, where a terrible scene is replayed on repeat, much to witnesses' dismay. A highwayman called Robert Dubois was being chased by the forces of the law and he met his untimely death here as when they caught him they impaled him to a tree with a sword some witnesses report just seeing his lifeless body slumped over a sword pinned to a phantom tree bloody hell oh around the village is daring wood nicknamed screaming wood as people who venture inside have been scared to death by hearing a lone scream that even scares all the birds away. Oh, would you go for a walk for a wood that's called Screaming Wood? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going for a quick walk, a quiet walk down the Screaming Wood. Look, I can't say it. See? Too scary. <laughs> no one really knows who the scream belongs to, but it has happened enough for the woods to have been renamed. Now to talk about Dick Bus. Oh, my part of the night. What? Come on then, Dick. Tell us what you got. Is this a bus shaped like a dick? (laughs) Or is this a dick shaped like a bus? It's Dick and his last name's Bus. Oh, okay. That's disappointing. Go on then. He was a town miller. So his spirit haunts the old damaged mill. He shut the mill in the 1930s and it was later struck by lightning, severely damaging it in 1939. His spirit appears to people before a thunderstorm as if to warn them of the upcoming dangers. Mm. Dick Buss has also a lane named after him and it's on this lane in the 1920s that a group of students going to school found the corpse of their teacher hanging by a branch. Oh my God. No one ever knew why the teacher had taken his life, but on certain nights, people have seen his ghostly body swinging back and forth from the branch in the wind. It wouldn't be a proper UK ghost story without the odd haunted pub or two, and Pluckley does not disappoint. Firstly, Mm. there is the Blacksmith's Forge Tea Room that used to be a blacksmith's, surprisingly. 
and then a pub before becoming the tea room. The owner says that there are at least two ghosts that reside inside. One is a cavalier that walks in and out of the upstairs rooms and has been witnessed by many. The other is a Tudor maid who can be seen by the fireplace slowly turning the spit. This has happened with the tea room open and full of customers and they all saw her. Oh, God. I actually am feeling really uneasy listening to this and I don't know whether it's because it is attainable to me. An hour and a half, babe. I don't want to, I'm scared. (laughs) And you're armed with all the information now. I know, exactly. The Black Horse Inn also has at least one mischievous ghost, although no one has ever seen it. The manager of the pub has seen a glass move all the way across a shelf and stop just before falling off. An invisible hand has also grabbed cutlery and placed it neatly on the side. This happens to be a spot where the manager's dogs bark all the time at nothing. There is also a room upstairs that the dogs refuse to go into. Oh, that's always a sign. Yeah, it's never good when the dogs don't want to, is it? Not good. One of the most famous ghosts in Pluckley is the sight of a horse-drawn carriage. It has been seen so many times and so vividly that people seeing it didn't know it was an apparition at first. Every detail being solid, even down to the light glowing coming through its windows. If people can't see the carriage, they can most definitely hear it. They hear the horses and the wheels bumping along cobbled roads, even though the roads aren't cobbled anymore. To continue with the haunted village stereotype, there is also a white lady that haunts the church St. Nicholas. She has been sighted at the Daring Family Library before it burnt down in 1952. There's a lot of burning down in Pluckley. Yeah. A lot of burning down in Pluckley. It's believed that she lived during the 12th century, which would make her very, very, very old. So old. And that she was buried in a white gown. During both world wars, the manor of Suridan, Daring hosted the US Embassy and the soldiers posted there often reported seeing the lady in white. One evening, one was wandering around the corridors armed with a rifle when he came face to face with the apparition, and he shot at her. Of course, a bullet going straight through her, guns aren't usually the best weapon against people that are already dead, she continued to walk through a wall panel that led to a tunnel between the manor and the church. There is also a red lady who also haunts St. Nicholas' Church. She was buried in three lead coffins and one oak one to stop her from decomposing. I'm not sure if that's how it works. But anyway, she was buried with a single red rose, hence the name. She's been seen wandering through the cemetery, crying, apparently searching for the grave of her stillborn baby. Now, the red lady and white lady do get confused sometimes, but they are definitely different ghosts, although it is thought that they both belong to the Daring family and are somehow related. There is also a frightful spirit that haunts the old brickworks. He died suffocated by a clay wall that fell on him. People say they can hear his screams and some have even seen his ghost wandering around the brickworks. That's a fucking horrible way to go. A wall falls on you. Awful, isn't it? Doesn't kill you, but then you suffocate to death. Horrible. Park Woods is another set of woodland around Pluckley where a gentleman hanged himself. 
His ghost is seen marching through the woods in full military gear, which is why he's been nicknamed the Colonel. His ghost isn't threatening and appears harmless, as do all these spectres, to be honest. Now, if my math is right, that has us around 18 ghosts. Everything on the internet says between 12 and 16, so I've already found more than the Guinness Book of Records. Well done. Yep. But to me, everything about Pluckley seems to be residual hauntings. Yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? It does. There seems to be little or no interaction between the living and the dead. Are people just catching glimpses of the past over and over again? Or are all these poor souls really trapped, reliving their worst moments? I certainly hope not. But for a village that counts just over 1,000 inhabitants, I can understand why Pluckley is considered the UK's most haunted village. And there you go. Oh, I kind of liked it because no one was like... Well, the stories were obviously tragic for a lot of them, but like no one's interfering with the current people that are living there which is nice no it to me it does seem that it is all residual haunting and i think if i you know if you want to go into that kind of reasoning you'd have to look into i don't know what stone other buildings made out yeah there must be something there mustn't there yeah to to like trap these memories some kind of i don't know I have no idea, to be honest, but they don't seem to be, apart from the odd glass that moved on a pub shelf, they don't really seem to interact or be that bothered by anybody. I wonder what the feeling is there, you know, like the atmosphere. I wonder if it's like... It is very atmospheric, apparently. There is a... Especially when you're in like the spots where the gypsy lady burnt to death and stuff like that, there is quite a heavy feeling. But then... It's difficult to say because if somebody's told you that somebody died there, burnt to death, and then you go and stand in that spot, would you not feel heavy anyway? Do you know what I mean? And I wonder if, can you see these people all the time? Or is it like certain times? Do you know what I mean? Like, if I go tomorrow, am I going to be sure that I'm going to see some... Oh, no, absolutely not. And I imagine people go months and months and everything's fine, quiet and... And again, with the residual energy theory, if you think about it, if it is something that's absorbing the energy, it would explain why the haunting of that gypsy lady was so vivid to begin with and then kind of faded into just like a little pale something that people see. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it lessens over the years. I don't know. Anyone from Pluckley? Get in touch. Oh, yeah. Tell us if you've seen a ghost, because there seems to be quite a few hanging about. Yeah, I'm really sad about the monk and that lady that, even in the ghost world, they can't seem to find each other. Yeah, but if it's residual energy, that's just us seeing past images and actually they are together. Oh, good. I prefer that. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying to Tash earlier when I said I get to the point at the end where I hope that they are there together. Yeah, let's hope that there was a happy ending in the end. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Pluckley. Kent. Mother Plucker. <laughs> exactly. You did very well saying Pluckley, though. Well well uh, yeah, well I didn't mess. I, I didn't fuck it up once. <laughs> you didn't pluck it up. Once. Nope. <laughs> did, did not. Nope. Um, Becky. What? 
wrong funeral. Oh my god! Well, I meant to write this out, so I'll I'll tell this story, and if it doesn't work, we'll just cut it out. We saw my husband's best friend uh, this weekend, and my husband's best friend is called Vincent. He's lovely. He's one of those people that you know those people that are like clumsy and and um, are funny, but without really wanting to be. <laughs> Just like yeah. a naturally funny person because of the situations they get themselves into. A bit bumbling. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how this is going to come across, but it was funny the, the other night when we were speaking about it. Anyway, when they were younger, about 18, they had their friend group. There was uh, my husband and like their little friend group of a couple of guys. And one of the guys was called Martin, which is quite a uh, Martin, which is very quite a popular name in France, isn't it? But that was their, their Martin in their group. They went out one evening without Vincent. Vincent had something else to do. And Vincent then found out that Martin had uh, unfortunately died. So he, oh, yeah. um, which is, you know, and they, they were talking about it between the friends. They were like, oh, Martin's died, blah, blah, blah. So uh, a couple of days later, as you know, uh, in France, the funeral has to be done really quickly. It's within a week from the mm. death. So I think it was three days later. So they didn't even have time to see each other, really, did the friends, before it was time for the funeral. So Vincent turned up to the funeral and it was, oh, I was really sad and everything. And uh, he arrived late. So he didn't see his friends at the funeral. And at the end of the funeral, he was kind of looking around to his for his friends. Then he saw his friend Martin, who wasn't dead. He was actually gone to the wrong funeral. There were two complete, talking about a completely different Martin, who was like an older person, not a young man. And he died from like natural causes. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> He'd gone to a funeral that wasn't his, thinking it was his friend's funeral. So his friend wasn't even dead. His wires had got crossed and they were talking about this other Martin that they also knew as a group that Vincent didn't know. So he went to a guy, a different Martin's funeral <laughs> and his friend Martin, Martin was fine all along. And he saw his friend Martin at the funeral and was like, why are you not in the coffin? <laughs> are you a ghost? What's happening? <laughs> he was like, I thought you were dead. I thought I'm at your funeral right now. Why are you not dead? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was still someone that did die. But yeah, no, it wasn't his friend. He went to the wrong Martin, the wrong guy's funeral thinking it was his friend. And that's why half the friends weren't there because most they of the group know didn't know Martin. So there we are. Were they a bit like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, they'd be like, oh, I didn't know that you knew Martin. Yeah. And he was like, well, you're, I knew you. You're dead. And he was like, I, he was like, I've been grieving for the past three days. I thought you died. He was like, I was going to go see your parents. And then he was confused because like he knew his friend's parents, but he couldn't see him at the funeral. He was really confused. Imagine if he'd gone to their house. Oh, oh that's, God, that's that's sad in the sense that he'd gone through those days thinking his friend had died. Yeah, that's absolutely terrible. But but I would have paid money to have seen his face when he saw his oh. friend alive and kicking. Because he was like, are you not dead? He was like, I thought you were in the... I thought I've just seen you be... It was so <laughs> funny. Uh, when, he t when he told me it, I pissed myself. But because it's still someone still died, I was I was a bit um in an area whether to say it on the podcast, but it's very funny. 
God. So, yeah, my friend went to the wrong funeral and saw the guy that he thought was dead was at the funeral. So, there we are. It was very funny. And um, Mm -hmm. he also, at my husband's dad's funeral, when they put the coffin in, like, in the hole ready to be lowered down, you could, like, throw a a rose on top of the coffin and we all kind of got, this is a little bit more, and we all threw a rose in. Well, Vincent was there because he's Noel's best friend. As he threw the rose in, he just happened to miss it completely and he threw it down like the gap between the hole in the ground and like the, the dirt. <laughs> he's so awkward, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> and he threw it and he fell down the hole. And it's so funny. And I was like, yeah, I was at the funeral and obviously it was a very sad affair. My my father-in-law had died, and but it... It made me smile. I was like, and he was. I saw his face go. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> and then he turned and looked at me, and I was like, <laughs> oh. and I was like, come and stand next to me. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone oh, saw, but it's him. fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And my my husband's dad would would be looking down on him, going, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Vincent's the best. He's single, ladies. If you if you're interested, well, Tash is single. <laughs> I don't live. In you interested in Tash? He's got two houses and a cat. I don't like cats. <laughs> what? Um, he's got, I, you know I don't like cats. I mean, I, I appreciate a cat, but I don't. I don't want cats. Yeah, I understand. There's no point in getting cats if you don't want cats. Yeah, <laughs> like I like other people's cats, but. I'm a dog person. Oh, yeah, you got Poppy Poppy. You'd be like, no. Yeah. Two houses, though. Interesting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I learned something really funny about Ben. His parents told me this story. Um, oh, go on. They're over at the minute. So my husband is the sweetest man. He is, isn't he, girls? He is really yeah, sweet. He is. He's lovely. He is the nicest guy. He would help anyone. He's quiet he's very shy he's just lovely he really is top-notch guy anyway back in his youth this is before i knew him you guys probably remember because he i think he had this car a little bit uh what when we first got together do you remember when he had his subaru yes oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> i forgot that he had that car yeah he was driving back from a town rather quickly i imagine even though he protests and says he wasn't but i imagine he was and it was mm. quite um it was a, a racy car wasn't it it did have well, that Subaru, racy yeah car. it is yeah. yeah they are aren't they it had that sound to it yeah they've got like a turbo and yeah and he overtook uh an elderly gentleman and it made the gentleman jump <laughs> oh no and so Ben looks back in his wing mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And sees, oh, sees this, this little guy? old guy swerving all over the road. <laughs> <laughs> and then just kind of going plop into the ditch. Oh, no. Was he in a a little... Uh, he was fine. He was fine. He no, just but went what in... kind of car was the old man driving? Was it one of those ones without a license? I've no idea. No, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know that that many details but he went into the ditch he was fine but ben saw him go in the ditch so now ben's feeling like shit 
So he turns around and pretends that he's going the other way. What, there's two <laughs> Subarus in rural France? Yeah, Ben, that's gonna... Go on. He went, I think he went past this old guy like a bloody blur because the old guy didn't realise and just thought that Ben was being a good citizen. Because oh. Ben got out of the car and was like, are you okay? And apparently the old guy was saying, oh, somebody just drove past me like crazy <laughs> and it made me jump and I didn't know what to do. And Ben's like, oh, that's terrible, you know. Some, oh, some, all this. Some drivers. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see Ben going, oh yeah, today's youth and their time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he made made sure the old guy was sorted and he got the insurance place rang up and whatever, I don't know. uh, But Ben then had to continue driving the other way because he couldn't turn around (laughs) because he was worried that the old guy... Just went and started his new life somewhere else (laughs) because he couldn't go back. (laughs) (laughs) But I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, what an arsehole. The thing is, though, even (laughs) if he did make him jump, he really, he must have really overcorrected because... To actually go into a ditch because you someone made you jump. <laughs> yeah. Like you're driving on a road, there might be other cars. <laughs> yeah, and often older people drive those little banger cars and there's no like, what's the thing? When the wheel's really sensitive. What's the word? Power steering is what it's Power called. Power steering. I see, I knew someone would <laughs> save us. Well done, Tash. I mean, so I took my time. Yeah, but we got there in the end. So there yeah. you go. Like Ben anyway. did. Did it take like a 50 kilometer <laughs> detour to come all the way back? I mean, it, his parents did say in Ben's defense, he was actually really upset about it. But Aww. it just made Bless me him. laugh that the little old man was going, oh, that car overtook me too fast and it scared me. And, I, and Ben's going, oh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I saw him go by me. He was really going. <laughs> and then he continued to drive the other way. <laughs> it's that, isn't it? It's the That's commitment the to the lie. But yeah. You have to commit. Once you've, once you, you have to commit. And he did. Cause you, did. Yeah, because you know that he looked in the direction that he wanted to go before he got in the car and went the opposite direction like sadly like my uh, house is just over there and i can't go there but i can't go there now i must continue this way i continue my lie (laughs) back up my story oh benji bob anyway tash scary story time i don't know oh i don't know how well i've done but i'll give it a whirl listen it can't be worse than let it go. No, I, I think it's better than that. Okay, I think we're it's good. Better than that. The time has come, quicker than expected, but the perfect time is here. Everyone is here, all together, people dancing, singing, having fun. I'm going to change that. I'm taking this opportunity to end them all. I've been in the shadows watching them, watching the rhythm in their feet day party it will soon be the end i'm going to end this party this fiesta forever the shooting starts let the music play on bang 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 let the music take control bang 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 now i've started i can't sit down this will go on and on everyone i meet all night long 
will be gone. Ooh. There, is, there are lines in that song that sound familiar to me. I need to um, think about it. Okay. You think yeah, about it. same I here. Think about it. I think I've definitely heard whatever the song it is that I can't think. Anyway, I think we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. We should. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, then you're fucked up in the head. <laughs> it's true. But it's fine, you're in good company. We all are here. <laughs> you should follow us on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter. These are all under SCSK underscore podcast. Emma, where else can they follow us? Facebook and YouTube, just under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. Yeah. And also you can email us at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. That's chillers and killers with an S, people. Yeah, with an S. Yeah, so any homestyle... There we are. So any... <laughs> oh, you made me snort really loud. <laughs> <laughs> it really let my nose moved. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Yeah, it was a big one. It made big waves on screen. <laughs> I could see my vo- my voice waves be like, ooh. So yeah, any hometown stories, any of your original ghost stories or anything creepy or just to send us a message. Yeah, send us an email. That'd be great. Cool, 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 cool. I definitely want some listener ghost stories. I feel like it's been a very long time since anybody has told us anything creepy. Everybody's grandma, weird auntie. We all, someone has ghost stories in your family. There's always someone. Listen to whoever's listening to this right now. You've got a ghost story. You know you've got it. You know you want to give it to us. Right in the blowhole. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, listener stories would be nice. Anyway, let's go. Let's leave the people. Bye. Bye. See ya. Stay safe, guys. Don't kill people, please. Please. Very polite. I'm just seeing if it works. And keep it weird. Bye. Gonna make love to your blowhole. It's not <laughs> the end. Poo under the bed. <laughs> Don't wipe your tears on the curtains. This is totally inappropriate, but every time you snort, I get like satisfaction as if, like, if I was a bloke and we were having sex and you just came. That's, that's my satisfaction. What? <laughs> Are you sexually aroused <laughs> by Becky's <laughs> No, but... I bet you mean it in like a humorous, like you were happy that you made me laugh. I made you laugh, come, and it made you snort. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sexual about it, it was just the metaphor. <laughs> I know what you mean, but it sounds, you're making it sound way sexual yeah, really when it shouldn't sexual. be. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly how you mean. Not interested in your blowhole. Oh, you bet you are. Don't lie. Well, a bit, a bit, a bit. But but you're no. married now. It's fine. It's fine. I know. Yeah. So are you. So are you. Oh yeah. We'll we'll get over it. We can get past this. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can. Bunch of fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs>